I'm Arlen Hamilton, and this is Your First Million. I'm a venture capitalist. I started my fund Backstage Capital from the ground up while I was on food stamps. I have now invested in more than 100 companies led by women, people of color, and LGBT founders. After having raised more than $10 million, people often ask me how I did it. I created this podcast so I could tell you my story and so that together we could go on a journey and speak with some of the most successful people in the world from all backgrounds and walks of life to learn how they got their first million. And who knows, maybe I'll reach my first million in personal capital while I'm recording this series. There's only one way to find out. This episode is brought to you by Digital Ocean. Let's go. Welcome back to your first million. Every week I am more and more excited by working on this podcast. I have to tell you, it's it has been such a thrill. And I just got back from Essence Fest in New Orleans. If you're not familiar, Google some videos because you'll want to go next year. They had their 25th anniversary this time around. And I have to say it was one of the best times I've had ever. I was there with my mom and uh, she she partied. She, she wanted to go to more things than I did and I uh, got to give it to her. I had a great time and I think that Rich Dennis and the New Voices Fund and Rich being the new owner of Essence, uh, the past couple of Essence Fest, they have just been amazing and um, really appreciate his lens and kind of the the stamp he's put on it. So much more tech uh, uh, talk and and business talk and and lifting black people up. Really, really enjoyed myself. Okay, and I got to meet a lot of you, so that's really cool. Um, if you said hi to me and you listened to this podcast and you said hi to me at Essence Fest or at Girl Boss the weekend prior. I uh, just want to say hi back and appreciate you listening and so grateful that you're getting something from this podcast. It's why I do it and it's 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 just been an honor um, having these interviews. Our next interview is uh, no exception. Her name is Irma Olguin Jr. And Irma is really special. Anyone who's met her would say the same. She is, you may not have heard about her. And I think um, she's an unsung hero and definitely a hidden figure. So Irma is the co-founder and the co-CEO of a, of a company in Fresno, California called Bitwise Industries. And Bitwise is a bit of a, a three-pronged company umbrella company to uh, many things. You'll learn more about it in, in this interview. But what you should know right off the bat is that the company that she and Jake, her partner, created has educated and and helped inspire and employ thousands of new coders and new tech workers in the Fresno area. And they just raised $27 million to expand that in one of the largest Series A rounds of any Latina CEO, co-founder of a startup. 
And I'm very fortunate that I was uh, let into this round, meaning that I invested in in the company. And I've enjoyed just seeing how they operate and what they do. They're really, um, this is really special for me because she won't say it herself, so I'm going to say it. She is probably one of the smartest, uh, most strategic thinkers that I've ever encountered. And at the same time, she's incredibly empathetic and she's kind of like who you'd want your coach to be. <laughs> like, you know, she just is very caring, has a very caring personality and a very genuine, grounded personality. And she just puts in the work. And it's so wonderful to have that work be recognized now with this raise because now they can do so much more and they can expand it and they can uh, touch the lives of so many more people while making a hell of a profit. I have to say, as an investor, I've seen the, I've seen the numbers. So let's get into it. This is Irma. She stopped by my house. Uh, actually, she didn't stop by. She drove several hours from Fresno to do this interview. And I really appreciate that on her way to a, a company retreat. And, uh, we get into it. We get into some awesome topics, including being the gay. So if you're into that, stick around. And if you're into just learning how to raise tens of millions of dollars for your company or and generate that in revenue, this is this is an interview for you. Irma Olguin Jr. I am the co-founder and CEO of Bitwise Industries in Fresno, California. Let's talk about you, Irma. Okay. <laughs> First of all, you have amazing hair. Thank it's you. Purple. So. <laughs> I'm feeling it, it today. Thank yes, you. Yes, <laughs> it's on fleek. Thank you for for bringing that to my home. I appreciate it. And um, you are co-founder, co-CEO of a company called Bitwise. That's right. Yes. How do you describe Bitwise? So we started Bitwise in 2013 with the idea that we could use the technology industry to fix our city. Uh, and so when we asked ourselves, what would it take to turn Fresno, California into a technology hub of global importance? We landed on three things. The first is education. The second was a sense of place. And the third is proof for industry. Um, but we do all of those things in a specific way that sort of come together into an ecosystem solution. So in education, it's how do you get the son or daughter of a migrant farm worker into the technology industry? Well, you educate them and you create on ramps that are specific to that life. Um, the second thing is a sense of place. Doesn't matter if you are from uh, Fresno, California or Menlo Park, you know what the inside of Google looks like and it's way better than what we're building in Fresno. So actualizing the experience of being a technologist so you don't feel inferior uh, and as though you had to go to another place to really do your highest and best in the, in the technology industry. And then last is proof. How do you prove that you can build and ship world-class software and build world-class technology companies in a non-traditional place using non-traditional talent? Mm -hmm. So yeah. you you know your company. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a mouthful. I think that's one of the hardest things is, is that, that there isn't really a, a great example for what we're doing or so that I can say, we're the X for Y, you know, we're the thing for this other thing. Um, it really is. Let me explain it to you one piece at a time, but in your head, picture a total solution. Those mm. are the three component parts, but it's really a whole solution. Um, in places like Fresno and Bakersfield, you can't really assume that somebody else is going to come along and do the other thing if you're not doing it. Mm -hmm. And, and what I've been able to uh, see with my own eyes is this 250,000 square foot mm. 
town within a town, mm. campus, as you all call it, or mm. uh, like, how do you describe what you're, what you've built in, in Fresno, the physical part? Yeah. So we buy blighted properties in the downtown. So we, we believe really, really earnestly that healthy cities have healthy downtowns. Um, but so we started buying bl- blighted properties in our downtown, rehabbing them and then leasing them back out to technology companies in general, but very specifically the companies that are hiring most aggressively out of the, the educational academy, um, which created sort of this shared purpose around leveling up human beings who hadn't been previously invited to the technology industry. So that campus really is about leveling up individual human beings. Cause we think if you do that enough, you really do change a city. You don't just change the face of a workforce, which is happening. You're changing an entire city. And you, you're in the history books now mm. because you all at Bitwise just raised 27 million. That's right. Yeah. $27 million calling it a series a calling it a series yeah. a yeah, yeah that's right <laughs> you know series a 27 million because what you do is so impactful and and different investors including i'm happy and, and grateful to you for letting me invest a small amount as well we're but, happy and grateful to you as well <laughs> yeah, yeah but what you do is it can scale and have so much impact and it, it's so exciting to me because I think about the cities that you're going into. You're you're already in Fresno. You kind of dominated what you wanted to do, what you set out to do. We'll talk about that in a second. You now you're going into Bakersfield. You announced that when you mm. announced the raise that mm-hmm. just happened in June, and then you see where do you see yourself then going? Maybe not necessarily the specific cities, but what type of a city is a bitwise city? Yeah, so we have sort of loosely defined what we call underdog cities. These are places that are not primary markets. They have a density of person that could support the technology industry. But importantly, they have one or more marginalized people groups who could really benefit from what the technology industry provides, which are high growth, high wage jobs, right? And so those are pretty loose categories, right? Uh, Or filters. Um, And if you look across the United States, there's something like 180 potential cities. Um, We'd like to be in a lot of them. Mm. So uh, over the next eight and 10 years, our our expectation is that we are going nationwide with our solution. Mm. So go back to Fresno. Go Mm. back. When when did you start? When it was the first... Yeah, 2013. Okay, uh, yeah. which isn't that far back. That's six <laughs> years or so at the time of recording. Yeah. But it's like a lifetime, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah. I'm laughing so, because, yeah, certainly on the calendar, six years is nothing. To to us, nothing moves quickly enough, yeah. right? Six years is, is a, a lot of time to really put your back into yeah. it. Paint the picture of what Fresno looked like physically and what it looked what the landscape Uh, figuratively looked like. Yeah, sure. So I think what one of the things that is surprising to people when they find out is that uh, the Central Valley, where Fresno sits, um, the Central Valley in the heart of California is responsible for producing between 25 and 30 percent of the world's food. So the driving industry there is agriculture, undoubtedly, unquestionably. And that's what all the cities really were built on. Either Did you say the world's The food? world's food. Yeah, what that's percentage? right. About 25 percent. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, it is surprising to people. And that, that's, that is how we were built. We were built on top that industry. But what that has created, and agriculture largely is a wealth extracting industry, um, it has created a situation of just abject poverty. One in four of our people live in poverty. Four of 10 of the poorest zip codes in the state of California are located in our county. Um, and on and on, the demographics and the socioeconomics of our place are, are kind of astounding. Um, uh, they create studies around where we live because of the survival of the people there and, and how we sort of get by. So you're nourishing a quarter of the world mm. and you're malnourished mm. in, yeah. in where you are. Yeah. Okay. So 
Tell, so what did it look like? 2013, who, who had the idea? Who had the idea for Bitwise? Yeah, Bitwise, Bitwise is the culmination of a lot of things that kind of came together at once. So very in very loose terms, there was an industry that existed. People were doing work in the technology industry in silos. Um, I myself was doing work in the technology industry. I had started a nonprofit uh, competition for technologists. I had started our very first co-working space in the Central Valley. Um, I had started a software company and on and on. Um, but it was really sort of looking through the lens of not just my life, but what the technology industry wasn't doing in Fresno and the, what it had done in places like Portland and Austin and the Silicon Valley. Places that 50 years ago, you would have described exactly like you described Fresno today, mm. which are ag centers, losing more smart people than they gain, um, no industry to speak of that was uh, on the high growth, high wage side of things. Um, and so we asked ourselves, you know, what were those places doing or what are those places doing? that we haven't done. Um, and so it was myself and my IP attorney at the time, uh, Jake Soberall, and we were sharing drinks one night, just really just bitching about what was not doing well in Fresno and how there was no sense of pride um, in our hometown. And we, we thought to ourselves, well, man, we can, we can do something about that. And Jake was your IP attorney mm. turned co-founder. That's right. We have a little friend here who's a little, little, little fly <laughs> who wants to out. be all about. Yeah, he wants to be interviewed. <laughs> Jake was work so was contracted by you yeah. and so over drinks you all start thinking about things and over days weeks start formulating an idea what if yeah what if we did this what would it look like that's right tell me when you think about about those days 2012 2013 mm. to to today how what percentage of today surprises you about what you've been able to accomplish the spotlight on what we're doing Definitely surprising. And right mm -hmm. now that comprises, you know, 75% of my time. Yeah, the spotlight. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the work itself is not surprising. Yeah. I think we are on track for the things that we said we could do. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. What, yeah. what are some of the metrics? Because I want to talk about how that is on track for you. That has, that's vision out of the wazoo. So mm. what, give me a couple of stats. Yeah. I think the, the biggest accountability metric for us is the, the, the demographics of the resulting technology workforce. So what does the technology workforce look like now in Fresno, California of the students that are coming out of our Academy and earning technical employment? We're talking about 50% female, 50% minority, 20% first generation. Those are the demographics of Fresno, California. That's important to us. So we're not doing what other cities have done um, in creating this sort of upper crust technology industry that you can't really get into if you come from a background like mine or like yours, right? Yeah. Uh, and so that's important because in a place like Fresno, California, as I said, you've got more people, more poor people who can be activated, that human potential can be put to good use, but in other cities, they don't really have the opportunity to do that. Mm. So uh, how many thousand, uh, or what's the number of students you've taken through at this point? Yeah, we're looking at 4,000 students coming through our programs. It's resulted in about a thousand new technology jobs in the last six years. So you're saying to me then, 2013, when mm. you all open, which I've seen video footage, you're in one small co-working <laughs> spot. Yeah. You're kind of screaming at the wind and mm. saying, this is going to work. You really thought that six years from now, mm. we're going to have thousands of people going in and out. There's going to mm. be millions and millions of dollars in revenue and, and jobs created. 
Yeah. That's what you saw. Yeah. And day one, on day one, we sort of proclaimed, like you said, into the wind. Nobody was listening yeah. at the time. Uh, but we said, uh, we are going to create an army of developers. Yeah. Uh, and when you picture an army, you're not picturing a couple of dozen people, yeah. right? So yeah. that's that's what we're on track to do. Well, that's amazing. And I, I've been in this position where I've said something bold like that with not much to show for it yet. And people have laughed, actually yeah. laughed. Did you have yeah. people who were super skeptical? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, maybe the majority, I would say. The yeah. majority of folks are are looking at us and they're saying, man, you know, you're two and a half hours from the Bay Area. Why don't you just go there? Uh, you know? Yeah. 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 And that's that's not a good answer. If you're young and ambitious and you're you're coming up in a place like Fresno or its outer edges, the last thing you want to be told is to go somewhere else. Yeah. You're at home, right? Why can't you do your highest and best at home? Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. We definitely got pushback um, to this day. We get pu- pushback. Yeah. And, and the story is complicated too, right? So we don't do just one thing. Um, so when people don't understand it, there's nothing they want to do more than tear it down. Absolutely. I mean, we have a lot in common. <laughs> we have <laughs> yeah, a we lot certainly in common. Do. Yeah. So then, uh, when did you when did you know you were onto something? I mean, you knew that yeah. first day. You knew when you went into it. Mm. But when did you know? Okay, it's working. I knew that when we went into it that we had the right team of people, right? And that's really what it comes down to. If you mm. don't have the right team, you may as well just start over. Yeah. Um, but I knew on day one we had the right team of people who were just going to do this moonshot thinking. Um, and we were going to just fight and bleed and move until we got there. Um, but I didn't realize that it was working in the sense that the world would recognize, um, that it was working until probably 2017. Mm. Right. So we were, we had announced that we were doing two new projects, which brought us up to that 250,000 square feet number that you mentioned earlier, um, in, uh, commercial real estate in downtown Fresno. And you have to understand too, like in a place like Fresno, you've got more empty buildings in your downtown than you have full ones. So to be in a quarter of a million square feet, that's monumental. Mm. That's seismic for a place like Fresno. Um, and it felt at that moment, like it was just the tip of the iceberg. There was so much more that we could do. Um, the number of students was climbing up. The number of jobs were climbing up. The number of happy tenants, the number of happy software clients and on and on and on. And you've got something like a tidal wave beginning to build. And that's when we decided if we're really going to lean into this, if we're going to do this all the way in Fresno uh, and potentially take it to other places, we're going to have to raise money. Yeah. Yeah. And you did. You did, did raise. That's that $27 million, That's And right. this is called your first million. I'm not going to get into your... I mean, I guess we could get into your personal life, but we're going to base it on raising because people see a number like a million dollars and it's, mm. it's incredible. It's a big number. 27 million. I do want to put it into perspective. Mm. 27 million doesn't, it, it takes you kind of far mm-hmm. and it takes you really, it kind of sets you up mm. for what you want to do mm. nationwide. Right. Yeah. And if you think about it, like, you know, there's these um, co-working places that get these kind of numbers and real estate places that get these yeah. kind of numbers and definitely SaaS companies that get these kind of numbers. Mm. You were you were up against something because I read somewhere that you had to Google what a series A is. And some people <laughs> listening to this will have Stop to Google. Stop me when I lie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So some people listening here will have to Google what series yeah. A is. Why did you think you needed to have venture capital? What was the difference between what you had done up until 2017 and how you were able to make it work 
What was that turning point? Yeah, you know, I th- so we were able to make it work, but it wasn't without its problems. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're managing cash as often as you're doing the work, and when you spend that much time managing your cash, like that's a drain on on a bunch of resources, not yeah. just yours. Yeah. Plus, your emotional batteries just run right out, right? And so when you're worried about things like you know, keeping the lights on or making payroll and those types of things. You can do that once in a while. You can't do that all the time. Uh, You can't do that all the time and grow. You can't do that all the time and defy everyone's expectations. You can't do that all the time and make a thing that nobody has made before. Mm. Right. So that was, that was the decision to go after a series A and it's true. We did, we Googled series A. Uh, That's true. Uh, (laughs) But it was, it was a matter of, um, how do we, uh, one of our co-leads likes to say the revolution must be financed. Mm. How do we finance the revolution? I love that. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, the, just our co-lead is amazing. Yeah. Period. Who, who uh, are your co-leads? Yeah. So we have found really great partners in, uh, Caper Capital out mm-hmm. of Oakland, uh, and then the New Voices Fund in New York. Right. So Mitch and Frida yeah. and Rich Dennis and, yeah. and others just, you know, um, obviously I think, uh, anyone who knows my work from backstage would understand how like that, that's, that's squad goals, you know, mm. like they're, they're so great. And mm. a lot of the work that uh, Mitch and Frida have done in yeah. the past have obviously been um, something that I've emulated mm. over the, over time. And then, and Rich, I just think he's, he's that guy. <laughs> I mean, know? like he's, he is changing the world. Squad goals is right. You know, I mean, these are people who get it yeah. and they have put their lifeblood into advancing the human capital of the world yeah period the end you know from doesn't matter what your pedigree might be or your last name these are people who are leaning in all the way with with their money yeah you know and their voice and their platform it's huge it's what you're doing um and we have partners all around the table like yourself caper capital new voices fund morgan simon and on and on plum alley we're talking about people who really care about the work and they're betting on humans so i'm really excited about our sponsors for this episode Digital Ocean. I spoke at their employee lunch a few months ago in New York City at their headquarters, and I was just blown away by their team, by their diversity in the room, by the community that they've built, the curiosity uh, of thought there. It was really, really fun, and they are some really cool people. So when we partnered to sponsor and launch this podcast, I was stoked. Let me tell you a little bit about what they are and who they are and what they're offering us. So DigitalOcean is a cloud platform that makes it easy for startups to launch high-performance modern apps and websites with simple, predictable pricing, no gotcha pricing, and a UX that developers around the world love. You can stop worrying about your cloud hosting and storage bills and have more time to just focus on your business. We all need more time. So that's not all. They want to make it even easier for new businesses to launch apps in the cloud. If you're a startup, don't miss out on applying for their incredible Hatch Incubator Program. Over 2,000 startups in DigitalOcean's Hatch have received amazing perks, like a year's worth of free cloud infrastructure credits, special events, prioritized support, technical training, and more. Learn more about DigitalOcean's global startup community and apply for Hatch at do.co slash backstage. That's do.co slash backstage. Well, let's talk a little bit about that raise then, because it mm. couldn't have been overnight that you got $27, $27 million just pulled together. <laughs> Let me just do a couple of emails. 
Talk a little bit about yeah. that process. So the, the the best thing about building a company out in the desert is that uh, you get to create the culture from scratch, right? So that was a really big deal. The worst part about building a company out in the desert is that nobody knows you're there, mm. right? And so there was a ton of going and just being on, on every pot, on mm. every bucket, on every symbol that we could just to make noise and, and grab some attention for a second. Um, so not being heavily networked, it took a while to build some network and some street cred, honestly. Um, and then from there, it was a matter of searching for the right partners. Mm. We didn't know how to go about doing that, to be honest. We we weren't asking the right questions for the first mm. 50 meetings probably, mm. um, which was slowing down the process. And it became frustrating. Of course it was, um, you know, uh, whereas the cultural culturally accepted first question in a meeting is like, do you write this size of check was not a question that we were asking, which means we weren't getting to that. No, for like six meetings. That's huge. That's yeah. a, that's a huge, huge waste of everyone's time and energy. Um, and once we learned sort of those cultural lessons, and when I say culture, I mean the Bay Area culture, right? Yeah. Like the, sort of the VC world culture, things began to get streamlined. And then we were introduced to the people who could really amplify the things that we were doing and the the folks who were going to do the warm intro and so on mm. and so forth. Mm. Um, you played a huge part in that too. It's just a matter of you find the people who believe in what you're doing. You find the people who can and want to write the size of checks uh, for the stage that you're at. And then you convince them of the business case in that order. The people who ended up investing, um, did, did they, could you kind of correlate that to the people who got it faster? Like if someone got it sooner without having to explain so much, were they yeah. more likely to write a check? Yeah, absolutely. I would say that the people who got it were the people who immediately wanted to hear the human stories. Right. They were like, great, great. I got it. I understand a PL. I understand yeah. a balance sheet. I understand your two year plan. Tell me about the humans. Yeah. It was like, if you That's could get best. to that, yeah. Th it best. was it was like, oh, well, then you have to come see. Yeah. And once you come see, that's that. That's right. I mean, I, when I went there, I mean, I had already worked with you for quite a while, I already decided to invest. Mm. But being there is so different. And yeah. I think I, I think you might get to a point where you have to have like scheduled tours mm. of people saying, I want this in my city. Mm. How do I make that work? And and I've also been to a lot of cities, big and small, all over the country and elsewhere. And I don't know anyone else. I mean, we've invested in all kinds of companies. So I'm not just saying this because I'm an investor. I don't know anyone else is doing it at the scale you all are doing it with the impact, with the uh, sincerity and uh, an authenticity of it. Because, you know, it's not just about, oh, you have all these buildings, you have this land. You walk into the building and you personally, and this we'll talk yeah. about why, you know everybody's name. I and mean, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of people walking through these hallways. You know everybody's name and people are so excited to see you all. And it's, it's like a campus. Mm. So... What like what led you to this? What led you for this to be what I consider your calling? Mm, I definitely, yeah, I definitely feel like this is the right work for me. You know, it it's best understood through my life story, right? Um, I came up from a farm labor town. I am one of those statistics, you know, wrong yeah. side of the tracks. It's very Hollywoodized, you know. Um, <laughs> We're working uh, on it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, you just don't you don't see any of this for yourself, right? When you kind of come up a certain way, when you grow up. Uh, and, um, your, vi the vision for your life has to do with more farm labor, you know, and that's your family's life too. And, um, so there isn't a lot else outside of that. And then when you sort of look back, when I look back over the years about like, how did this actually happen? How do I get to do this podcast? How do I get to like sit in these meetings? Mm -hmm. What in the ever loving hell, what happened? Mm -hmm. You know, 
um, you pick it apart and you think to yourself, okay, I sort of accidentally went to college. I accidentally chose literally the right perfect major. Mm. Um, I accidentally got a bunch of jobs in that major. And it's like all of these things that had to align just perfectly, just so in order for this moment to be possible. And I think to myself, if you deconstruct all of that, we can do a better job than letting it be an accident. We can be more deliberate about what we're exposing young people to, regardless of what town they're from. We can be, we can do a better job of providing opportunity for all people, not just the ones who have degrees from the Mm. colleges that always get funded, right? Or or degrees from the colleges who always get the job. Like, what are we doing with the rest of us? Mm. Uh, And that's really what Bitwise is about. So if if you walk into our building and you see us high-fiving and you see sort of this culture of, um, and I hate to overuse the word, but more of a, a community feel, vibe, right? Where the person next to you is interested in your success as much as you're interested in your own, that's on purpose, right? That's Mm. because we're not going to change anything. Otherwise, nobody is coming to save us, you Mm -hmm. know? And so when you, when you live in the desert, when you grow up in the fields, when you don't have a future in front of you that say your more affluent counterparts might have, you have to take it into your own hands. Mm -hmm. And you know that if it's going to be a revolution, if it really is, if you're really going to build critical mass and, 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 and build a um, momentum around this, you have to invest in the person next to you also, you know, this, I mean, this is your life's work too, right? We're doing it. And I think in, in similar, but different ways, but the idea is the same. I've made it. Therefore, Somebody yeah. else is going to make it. And I'm going to drag them behind me if I have to. Do you think, th- uh, I'm going to ask a question. You think you're going to think it's a joke when mm. I'm serious. Do mm. you think part of the, the reason that we're where we are and bringing people with us, do you think any of that drive comes from being super gay? Mm. Do like, I, do you think? <laughs> yeah, that's a really I mean, good question. I thought about that sometimes. Yeah. Because some confidence comes from it. Some you know, having been bullied, you kind of yeah. turn that, yeah. you know, I'm going to face the world. I think that's right. No, I think, I think that it does. It comes from, from being, whether it's made fun of or bullied or, um, uh, discounted in any way. I mean, you're a female person of color who's super gay as am I, yeah. right. Word. And, and yeah, that gives you a lot. You earn your, you earn your bloody knuckles. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I think that it, it definitely instills in you a grit um, yeah. and a hustle. Yeah. It's the hustle more than yeah. anything else, probably yeah, that like, you know, c- because I, it was Will Smith, I think that said like, if, if, if you're on a treadmill next to me, like I'll die before that's I him. get off. Right. He said that. Yeah. That's the difference. He said the difference is I'm not necessarily more talented than you, but I'm going to die before I get off before you do. If it's a competition. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's that putting in the work at the brick by brick he talks about too. Yes. Yeah. That's, I think about that just as a side note sometimes. Um, side note, but that's our lives. <laughs> well, no, I think about that part of it. Like, is that, does that have something to do with why uh, there's this extra confidence mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. did it? I mean, you know. There's I all- think, yeah, you know, you make a really good point. And I kind of want to, I want to maybe make a, a fine point out mm-hmm. of it too. That It is Pride Week. Let's, I mean, Pride Month. Let's, let's, talk, let's talk about, about it. it. Yeah. I, like, I don't know about your coming out story. Yeah. Um, and we can talk about that if you like. All but, day. But my coming out story, that is the most terrifying thing I will ever do. Mm. So with that behind me, it's like, come at me, bro. Yeah. You know, n- nothing's going to terrify me more than that. But did you come out you know? to your, both of your parents at the same time? To my mom. To your mom. Yeah. How was that? It, awful. Awful. <laughs> it was awful. Was it yeah. a complete surprise to her? 
it, I'm sure it was not, okay. but you know, she's a gracious woman. So she acted brand new. Yeah. <laughs> so why yeah. was it horrible? No, I, you know, um, it's culture again. Yeah. It's Mexican American culture. You don't talk about it. Yeah. You're not gay. Yeah. You can change it if you want to like all of those things. And, you know, candidly, like my family was not very supportive um, before I came out yeah. of the gay community period. Yep. Right. And they were vocal about that. And so just that sort of uh, fear of what was going to happen once they knew, am, am I going to be disowned? Am I going yep. to be, you know, cast out? Will I be not part of the family pack anymore? I mean, I'm a, I'm a Hispanic woman. Pack is everything. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so to think that you might not be a part of that anymore, um, because of a thing they don't understand, that's as scary as it's ever going to get, you know? And so put me in any board meeting, put me in any pitch mm, meeting, put mm. me in any, uh, business situation. It will never be as scary as that word. And has it gotten better? Absolutely. Yeah. Wonderful. My mom's the best. Yeah. 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 How long did that take? Do you think if you had to guess, you know, I actually think it was, I mean, for her to sort of come around to the idea, it's, it's a lifelong journey, yeah. you know, because you know, you, you picture your, your daughter's life a specific way. It doesn't turn out that way. You're going to have some undoing of expectations. Right. Yeah. Um, but she's amazing. And ultimately it came down to, she, she experienced like just tragedy of untold, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, sorrow. And so I think for her, it was like, find a way to be happy. Um, because that can just leave in an instant, yes. right? So find a way to be happy. And ultimately I think that that drives her too. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. I'm, I'm really glad that it's better. And I have a similar, uh, my mom was a little bit, um, more understanding earlier, but I had the exact same, mm-hmm. I, I will be disowned. Mm-hmm. My mom will not be allowed from mm-hmm. her religion to accept this. Mm-hmm. This will be the last time I get to see my mom. Yep. That's exact that. And you're ready for it. Was ready for it. Uh, didn't want it, but I knew that yes. that had to be, it was going to happen. You just had to accept that yeah, that might happen. Yeah. Yes. As a teenager, it's just, ugh. Yeah. Um, but she, you know, thankfully she was more than, more than cool about it. And then it, it did take a few years for her to learn the jargon and understand what was offensive and what wasn't. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I tell you what, she, from day one, as soon as she understood, mm-hmm. this is what, what it was, she's been, um, just amazing about it. And even a few days ago, she talked about how she defended me to someone who didn't know mm. that I was gay and they were talking about gay people. Mm. And she just stopped the whole conversation and she's like ready to throw bows. And I, I believe she said that she was being sincere, but I like was giggling o- over the phone without her hearing. She said something like, my daughter is extremely homosexual. And, <laughs> and she was saying it, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, mom, you are right. <laughs> Correct. Well, I think too. Too, like generationally, right? Because there's so much stigma and um, misinformation. Yeah, uh, that it wasn't just like for our parents, right? It wasn't just that there was something wrong with us, but also there was something wrong with their parenting. It was, oh so, yes, you know, and oh so, yes. Of I course, think my, they were going to get it. I think know? my mom did tell me that a few years in, because it wasn't just perfect. It wasn't just, but she, I think she told me that at one point she wondered if she had done something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wrong. You know, you know that movie, uh, but I'm a cheerleader. Yeah. Cheerleader. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's one, yeah. bu- one person's root is that their mother wore pants at their, her wedding. Yeah, yeah. My mom wore <laughs> pants, like a, she didn't wear pants. She wore like a, uh, uh, a suit uh-huh. that had tails to it uh-huh. and it was very masculine, feminine sort of thing. Yeah. And I always wonder if she thinks that any of those actions caused it, you know, this kind of farcical. <laughs> well, I don't know. Root. That sounds like a hero to I me. I mean, yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was very dikey if you think about it. Yeah, it was very sure. much so. Uh, <laughs> I'd have to, I'm like, maybe I should get that outfit. It's pretty cool for my wedding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's she's cool. And so, so yeah, I mean, 
um, you're right. Like facing some of these, especially these guys, you know, mm-hmm. facing some of these guys in these situations where they kind of have you pegged. Mm-hmm. They think they know what you're capable of mm-hmm. and what your limit is. And you just mm-hmm. sort of plow through that because you're just like, man. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, it's like playing a video game. Like you're like level two. I've been, I've been to see the big boss. <laughs> yes. yeah. You know, this is just a game. This is just this level for me. Yeah. And, uh, uh, talk about a little bit if you, if you want, um, kind of on the personal side of things, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I think a lot of people listening and I, and I, when you hear such a huge number capital, like amount of capital, what does that mean to your life? When when you, when you <laughs> yeah. as a founder of a company, when the company gets that kind of money, yeah. are you are you rolling in it? Are you like, <laughs> <laughs> if only that's how it worked. Yeah, uh, yeah. If I had known that, no, no, I, I haven't seen a cent of it. Uh, yeah. No, that's not how it works it's for the company. It's for the company. It's a hundred percent for the company. And but but what it has done is I sleep better because. Uh, I know my favorite day of, of the month or actually it happens twice a month for our company is, is payday. Payday. Yeah. My yeah. people get paid. Yeah. There is nothing that makes me happier than our people getting paid. And have you been scared before that they wouldn't get paid? Has that ever happened? Girl. <laughs> <laughs> is it easier to yes. say when it hasn't? Now? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you're skating, you know, you are bending the, the, the laws of gravity. Yeah. yeah to well, that's probably work. what we should talk about a little too, because it, it wasn't like you started 2013 and it was just smooth sailing because it worked. Right. 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 Did you tell, talk about a little of that, those struggles that you had yeah. on the way to this moment? Yeah, you know, I think we didn't know it, right? Because you don't know what you don't know uh, until you know it. But but we were undercapitalized from the first day. Yeah. Um, and even now, if I had, you know, what something that we have both recognized, my co- co-founder and I, um, is that if we had a billion dollars, our dreams would be a billion and one dollars. Right. Our dreams are always going to outstrip the cash in the bank. Right. You know, and so, but that's not really a reality that you're facing when you when you grow a company in Fresno, California, right? You're not really thinking about that. You're thinking about how do I, how do I get profitable as soon as I can so that I can keep the lights on and grow one inch at a time. But it's when you realize that one inch at a time is not going to do it, that you run into real, real issues. Like for us, for example, um, we started in an 8,000 square foot building. I think 5,000 square feet of it was like habitable, right? Mm. So we could lease that out and went from that to a 50,000 square foot building that we bought. Like, where does, where do you find the cash for that? You know? So we were, we were turning over every couch cushion. We were, you know, cleaning out bank accounts, 401ks, we were refinancing, you know, car payments and so on and so forth until we finally had enough scratch together to put down our piece of the payment. And we had a partner in that building. Um, and so, but to go from a 5,000 square foot lease to a 50,000 square foot building, you're making that jump and assuming the responsibility for that is Mm. that's enormous. Right. And Mm. so of course things were going to get tight and of course we're going to have to shake all the couch cushions and, you know, check Mm -hmm. the piggy bank. Um, and we just kept doing that over and over again. Why did you do it? Why did you do it? You're betting on the future. We're betting on the future. You just knew you saw that what this could become. We, I mean, Fresno has a million people in it. And to think that we can't turn that place into a technology center of global importance is laughable, mm. right? Of course mm. we can. Of course we can. But we have to bet and we have to bet and we have to bet and we have to do things that people can't see yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, of course, there's going to be some ridicule and there's going to be some laughter and there's going to be some disbelief, but it's also going to mean you're short on cash. Yeah. And speaking of making it a, a hub, we talk about how you're going to expand and how you've already started expand, expanding mm. and thinking about that. Do you also find 
Or would you hope for people to come to Fresno, move, relocate there, go through training with you or join one of your companies and, and, and take up stakes there? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, we want to be a, a center that attracts people mm. uh, for sure because they see opportunity there and maybe they don't feel as included in a different technology hub, yeah. right? So for us, we definitely are carrying the banner of um, if you want to be good at this, if you want to be good at technology, it doesn't matter what your last name is or whether or not you have a degree or any of those things. If you're going to put your heart and soul into it, then you come to Fresno. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, of course we want people to come. And that's really interesting because I meet people all over the place who are like, how do I get started? What do I do? And there are all these boot camps that are popping up. Yeah. You're again, you're one, one of the things you all do is an education piece, mm -hmm. but I keep coming back to it because it's the numbers are so impressive mm. and it really is kind of feeds, it feeds into the rest of it. Yeah. Right. So people are asking, how do I get started? And they're thinking about the price of living and kind of like going off to a college. And this this could become like a college town becomes a destination piece of Fresno, Bakersfield could become that yeah. because of what you've built. How how exciting would that be? Yeah. Have you had people in the past relocate just to come to work at Bitwise? Yeah, we have. We've started to attract people from all over the United States, mm. from uh, North Carolina to Las Vegas to um, as we've actually attracted people from other technology hubs, yeah. um, especially on the sort of diverse side of humanity. They want to come here. Yeah. Um, they see themselves in front of the classroom um, and they see an opportunity to, to do that in an underdog city. Now, you said that it doesn't matter your last name. It doesn't matter your education. But what do, does someone need to have? If someone's listening right now, they're like, this is actually piquing my interest. Mm. Is there something that you can say, you can separate and say, you probably w wouldn't enjoy this. You probably wouldn't be good at this. What yeah. kind of profile? It's So for us, it really has to do about your interest, okay. right? So you have to be able to read and write in English, we say. Mm. We're actually doing away with that requirement as we run our first ESL courses um, uh, this year. Um, divide by three, be yeah. able to navigate email. But really it comes down to, do you want to spend your time doing this? Yeah. Because um, nobody's going to give you the job. You're going to earn it every step of the way. We're going to hold your hand, right? Mm -hmm. The whole way through. But we are not going to get you your job. You're going to get it. Right. Um, we're going to give you the tools to change your own life. You're still doing the changing. Mm -hmm. And what kind of age and up is this? Yeah, we run courses from 7 to 70. Um, so from exposure to um, life change or upskilling mm. um, in that middle band, though, is where we find the most success, usually from 17 to 34, somewhere in that range, yeah. uh, where somebody wants to enter into the technology industry for the first time. We have our career courses that meet that need. Yeah. And if someone is interested, they're listening right now. Uh, how do they get in touch with, yeah. with the right team there? Yeah. Bitwiseindustries.com. Um, info at is usually very, very helpful. We're fast to respond there or info at geekwiseacademy.com. Mm -hmm. And the website is? Bitwiseindustries.com, also geekwiseacademy.com. Of course, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of those things too. Yeah, that's great. And I, I would, is it a process? Like what, what's the application process like? No, no, no. You just register. You just register. Yeah. 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 If you're not sure, I think that's one of the things that we hold up as a standard that mm -hmm. maybe other places don't is like carve out eight weeks and just come, just see, right? Yeah. Take one course. It's a six week course. It's our entry level course. Take it and see. And if you don't like it, no hard feelings, move on to the next thing, but you might fall in love and you might want to do this. And then there's the next course for you lined up. That's so cool. I kind of, I kind of want to go and take your course, like take I mean, a course there. I honestly, I'm thinking like Fresno. I saw those apartments that were being built over there. The famous Arlen Hamilton in, in our classes. I, I mean, can't, I'm kind of still my heart. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking about it. It sounds so 
forward thinking, I know there's other boot camps all day long. It's mm. just that this is, this is because it's the three pieces. Let me see if I'm saying it right. You tell me what I'm getting wrong. It's the education piece, which you've put thousands of people through and you mm. continue to do that in each mm. city that you're going in. It's then real estate, co-working, kind of mm-hmm. um, renting out places mm-hmm. uh, that you own or, or lease. And then it is, you have your own company. So you have your like own SaaS companies That's right. that um, uh, you've all built with in-house. And some of the people who went through the classes and the courses work out of the co-working and mm-hmm. some of them work at these companies mm-hmm. that you've built. That's right. Yeah. That's just, it's just you nailed it. It's amazing. Yeah. Right. I'm good. Hey, I'm, I, I got it. I got it. <laughs> I'm going to invite you to my next pitch meeting. <laughs> so, so when you um, think about, What's next? You think about the next two or three years or so. Mm. I know you're probably thinking 10 years, 20 years in the future, but over the next two or three years, is there a number of cities you'd like to be in? In the next two to three years, we're looking at two to three cities. I think yeah. beyond, but, but that's because we're in a learning phase. What does yeah. it really mean to expand? What are we getting right? What are we getting wrong? Yeah. Um, how do we source the talent um, that's local to that place? Because yeah. we think it's really important that we hire the local team and not, you know, yeah. Fresnans trying to be Bakersfield, right? And mm-hmm. so on. Um, so that's the learning period beyond that, then it's a nationwide play. Yeah. And if any press wants to get in touch with you because you are one of, at least one of, if not the, uh, uh, Latina founder who has Mm. raised the most in a series a, Mm. which again, like, let's take a moment, everyone. (laughs) Let's take a moment. That's huge. That's huge. If someone wants to get in touch with you, uh, they can go through me, right? They can go right <laughs> please, please contact Arlen. Arlen. That's right. Now. <laughs> I should be so lucky. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're great, but they can contact through the website, get yeah. in touch with you. Or PR at bitwiseindustries.com. PR. Uh, yeah, we'll get you directly in touch with folks who can help schedule. And, yeah. 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 And what is it that, you know, when you think about, um, we talked about earlier personally, it doesn't really change anything because the money is going to the company. Yeah. You all raised the heck out of that. Mm. It was a year or so long process. Mm-hmm. And now you're, what, your head's down. Yeah. You're back at it. Yeah, it's it's time to get back down to work. And, and you know, when I think about the things that are next, like I'm just so excited to dig back in and to get the attention back on the work, mm-hmm. right? Because that's where it belongs. And it's the whole reason that we get up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's a huge Series A. It's huge. It's a, a Series A in, in name only, really, for mm-hmm. the cadence that people typically find. Um, but to have a, a Latinx woman raise that amount, yeah, that's a milestone. I don't feel it personally, right? Like I feel, I know that it's important. I know that it's big for women. I know that it's big for Latinas. I, I know that it's big for the technology industry as a whole. Um, but what I'm excited about is creating more of those success stories so that it's not just this is the one, right? Here's the one weird um, uh, unicorn story out of the Central Valley. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, how do we do this a lot? So it's such that it's not that big of a deal and um, is now more commonplace for people to find that kind of success. So if one of the students or one of the people who works out of your co-working or if one of the people who works at your companies goes on to do something like this, that's success. Nothing would make me happier than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what it's about. Hey, so I'd love to talk to you and keep the conversation going. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Arlen was here. That's A-R-L-A-N was here. Stick around too, because I will let you know when my new book is going to be in pre-order. Now that's coming out in uh, 2020. It'll be out as a real book. Oh my goodness. 
and it'll be you'll be able to pre-order it most likely this year so stay tuned i'll let you know all about that on twitter on instagram and on this podcast thank you again to digital ocean for sponsoring this episode if you are interested in sponsoring an episode of your first million get in touch with me um right now it's soups easy to do so you just email me at arlenhamilton at gmail that's a-r-l-a-n H-A-M-I-L-T-O-N at gmail.com and uh, put in the subject that you want to, that you're thinking about sponsoring and I'll give you some more information. Um, This is a really highly engaged audience, really, really uh, educated either through traditional means or through grit and tenacity or a little bit of both. And uh, yeah, these are the people you want to be talking to. You got, you got aspiring founders. You've got in the trenches founders. You've got aspiring angel investors and active angel investors. You've also got venture capitalists. You've also got limited partners. And then you have people who are listening in to learn all about what all of that means. And so it's a really interesting group of people. Check it out. Thank you again, Digital Ocean, for sponsoring. Your First Million is produced and edited by Anna Eichenauer and senior producer Brian Landers. Additional audio mixing and mastering by Alfred Rook Hamilton. Additional production by Chacho Valadez. Executive producer, Arlen Hamilton.